Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you're there, say amen. Deuteronomy 7, and I'm going to begin at verse number 1. And then we're going to move for the sake of time to the end of the chapter. This was our Focus 52 a few weeks ago. And God gave me something for this church then. And uh, I have not had the opportunity to preach it. And I was wrestling with it in my spirit today. And I believe this is what the Lord would have for us tonight. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when, somebody shout when. When the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Verse number 22. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once. Think about this. Lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. This is powerful. And he shall deliver their kings. Somebody say kings. Into thy hand. And thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. In other words, they'll be obliterated. Their name will not even be spoken under the heavens anymore. There shall be no man able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. The graven images of their God shall you burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them. Nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination unto the Lord. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Verse 22, the Lord thy God will put out those nations, seven of them, seven nations before you, little by little. This is the literal writing of this little and little. It is little by little, a little bit at a time. He is not going to hand you all seven nations at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. I'm going to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord, little by little, little by little. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and help me tonight? Let's cry out to the Lord that his word would speak to us right where we are. Would you lift your voice and pray right now? Would you do that? Come on, help pastor tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, we seek after you. Lord, we seek after your divine God. God, we need you I wish somebody would give him praise like it's Sunday night. Hallelujah. 
Bless the Lord, oh my soul. God bless you. You may be seated. I feel like God is about to transfer some things into this church this week. Been, been spending time with God specifically about what He's doing in this church right now. And I feel like God is about to transfer some kingdom weight to the shoulders of some people in this church that have heretofore carried the spiritual load that you're getting ready to carry. I feel like the hand of the Lord has not been hidden from us or lifted from us by any stretch of the imagination, but that God has let us walk through some seasons where we have wondered if His hand has been there. There are times in your life, regardless of how spiritual you are or how faithful you are to God, there will come a time in your life that you, you will ask God the question, are you still there? I've had times in my life, uh, even coming out of great, great moves of God, great seasons of revival, that immediately I enter into a dry stage and I start asking God questions, where is what I felt last Sunday night tonight? And the evidence that I'm looking for, I don't see. The breakthrough that I've been praying for, I don't see it. But my faith cannot be based upon what I see. My faith is based upon what I know that I know that I know. And until you know what you know what you know, you can't explain it to anybody. It don't make sense to anybody else. There may be folks that look at you and shake their head and wonder why in the world you just keep on being faithful and keep on believing and keep on loving God and keep on going to that church and keep on going to revival. But here's the reason why. I can't explain it to you, but I know that I know that I know something down deep in my spirit that God is about to bring me through the troubled water. God is about to carry me over a bridge. You got to know that you know that you know. And when you know, there's nothing anybody can do about it. You've got a made up mind. It doesn't really matter what the devil says. It doesn't really matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't really matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what voices of discouragement say. It doesn't matter what depression says. When you made up in your mind, I'm going to stay in the race. I'm going to keep my shoulder to the plow. I'm going to keep on pushing. I'm going to keep on shouting. I'm going to keep on praising. I'm going to keep on pressing. There is nothing by any means that can turn you around. The questioning of God's existence because you don't feel him does not mean that you're a failure. It means that you're a human being. Now, I know that probably crosses swords with people. You don't need to be asking God questions like that. you got to have faith. Well, then you don't put on your britches like I do. Because I'm telling you right now, if you, if you prick me, I'm going to bleed. If you kick me, I bruise. There is human nature inside of all of us. At times, it's hard to believe when you cannot see the plan of God, when you don't, you don't have a clue what the next step you're going to take. Have you ever woke up in an unfamiliar place in the middle of the night and that first step on the way to the bathroom is a step of faith? Yeah. 
You ought to see a St. Clair hotel room when we travel. I've took many steps of faith in the middle of the night because we've got two girls in one bed and me and my wife in the other bed and Jocelyn is somewhere on a blow-up mattress on the floor. And there's 25 suitcases and 10 suit bags and duffel bags and overnight bags and bobby pins all over the room. I've walked through that room and I say, oh God, Jesus, oh Jesus, God, help me, Lord, right now. Don't let me break my toe. I don't want to do this right now, Lord. Is it, you know, I've laid there and pondered, is it really worth it? Is it really even worth it to risk what I'm risking right now to get up and go and do this? And I'm telling you right now, it is something that we've got to learn to walk by faith. It's that test in the night, the first step where you're really wondering, is it worth it for me to make this journey? Is it worth it for me to get up and try again? Is it worth it for me to show up to one more night of revival? Is it worth it for me to show up to one more Sunday night? I'm telling you tonight, it is worth it, but you've got to take that first step. You've got to step out by faith and believe when I can not see I know that I know I know and so me and God have had some serious debates and discussions and he always wins one way or another you can't twist his arm enough to make him change his mind but the truth is that I'm impatient and you're impatient Even the most patient among us that want everybody to believe we are very, very patient. You have your times. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've been pastoring in this church for 20 years and I've seen you at 12.05 on Sunday. I've watched it. 12 o'clock. Start looking down. Getting that phone out to read your Bible. Oh, I've seen it. I've preached to you on Super Bowl Sunday when the Colts were playing. I've watched it. I've had you walk up at the end of service and say, Pastor, you know the score? No. I've been preaching. How do you know the score? I know that some of you are impatient. But I'm telling you, it's one thing to wait on a woman. It's another thing to wait on God. Because when you wait on your wife or your kids, you can gripe, you can honk. I wouldn't recommend it. But you can do it. I have found out there is a magic button in the horn of my car that if I sound it at the wrong time, It sends signals to my wife and my girls. And they don't hurry up anymore because I honked. They get frustrated and they get angry. They get mad because I'm hurrying up a process that takes some time. Have you seen the bobby pins? I I ought to have stock in a bobby pin company. I I find $20 a week worth of bobby pins in the sofa. My girls will come in saying, Dad, we need bobby pins. And I'll walk upstairs, and in five minutes, I can pick up a handful of them. It's because wherever they rest at night, that's where the bobby pins go. They start when they walk in the door. 
They start, but I'm telling you right now, don't ever hurry that process. If you want to live to see another day, don't hurry that process. Because that last bobby pin's got to go in, and when you think it's there, one of them will say, hey, you got a little bit of curl hanging down right there, and they got to go back to the starting block and get it right. If you men are brave enough, I dare you to say amen. It gets hard when you're waiting on God. Because when you're waiting on God, you have absolutely no power. You have absolutely no authority to change anything. And you feel like you're sitting back getting frustrated and twiddling your thumbs and saying, God, when is it going to break? How many more times do I have to pray? How many more times do I have to go? How many more times do I have to believe until it happens? And that's when you feel that gentle nudge of the Holy Ghost. There is no premeditated idea. I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to take. What I want to know is, will you stay until... Will you be faithful until it breaks? Will you be faithful until the dam breaks and the river flows? Will you be faithful until revival happens? So, I get frustrated when I feel like I've heard from God that something big is going to happen. And then I pray and I wait and I pray and I wait. And I find myself at the top of Mount Carmel, just like the old prophet of God. He made a public declaration. you got to be careful what kind of declaration you make openly. He said, Lord, you closed the heavens up three years ago. But as of right now, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I'm telling you right now, it takes faith to declare something that you're hearing when nobody else hears it. It wouldn't have took any measure of faith if God would have let the thunder roll and let the entire nation of Israel hear the sound of the thunder and the flash of the lightning. But faith is the kind of faith in this meeting that will be activated, that God lets us hear things that the world does not hear, that the world cannot see, but we've got to believe it. I'm talking about the kind of faith that steps out on the edge of the board, on the limb and declares, my children are coming to the house of God. They may have been in a bar last night. They may have been in a barroom brawl last night. They may have done drugs last night. They may have been high last night. But it's faith that I hear a breakthrough when I don't see a breakthrough. It's a kind of faith that goes ahead and rejoices on credit. Even when I don't see the evidence, I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to shout like it's over. Uh, the seasons that I cannot see, that I do not know. He looked at his servant he came by. I don't know who to feel most sorry for in that scripture. If it's Elijah or the servant. When the servant comes back to him and said, Master, I went and looked. Nothing. He said to him, Go again. Seven times. Now, I believe that you can study some numbers out. 
I've seen it abused pretty bad. But you can study numbers out that mean things in the Scripture. And I do find a recurring theme with the number seven. It is the number of completion, that's for sure. But it's also a number of patience. That you got to wait until something's finished. He said, go again seven times. What does that mean? It means go until it happens. Go until it's complete. Oh, God. How many times do I have to go, Lord, until I finally get an answer? You've got to go until it happens. You've got to push until it's completed. And he who began the good work will be faithful to complete it. Number seven. It's hard to get that around your mind, to get your mind around that sometimes. They cross over Jordan to go in to possess the land. The first city that they take is Jericho. You've read the story. They pass into Jericho. And he looks at him and said, don't say a word. For seven days, we're going to march. How many days? Until it's finished. We're going to march every day. And we're not going to say a word about it. We're going to keep on marching. The last thing the Lord said to me was march and don't say anything. And until God says something else, I'm going to do what he said to do. I'm not looking for a new revelation. I'm not looking for a new prophet. I'm not looking for a new evangelist. I'm not looking for new inspiration. I'm going to march and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's what God said to do. And the principle is that if you'll obey right now, you'll have a reason to shout in a little while. On that seventh day, seven times around, on the seventh day, and finally, what they had walked around for seven days, could not speak to it, couldn't say a word about it, couldn't discuss it with their neighbor. They just had to keep on walking. And on the seventh day, when God said enough was enough, on the seventh day, when the man of God finally said, lift your voice and shout, when they lifted their voice and shouted, their shout did what their talking could not do. If they would have talked about it for seven days, the wall would have still been standing. Some of us need to quit talking about it and start shouting about it. I've come to tell you tonight, I refuse to give the devil any more room. I refuse to give any more life. I refuse to give the devil room in my family. I refuse to give him room in this church. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to shout about it. Hallelujah. Shout. Seventh day. And the walls came tumbling down. Folks, I don't know what version of the Bible you read. There may be one out there that says this, but mine does not say this. Mine does not say that a wrecking crew and a wrecking ball came in. 
when they shouted, knock the walls down. So what I'm saying to you is there was no visible evidence to them that the walls were going to come down until the walls fell down. Don't miss what I'm preaching. I'm not going to be here long. Evangelists don't get paid by the hour. And I'm going to tell every one of them that come through here that. I was driving down the road with Brother Mike Wilson the other day. He wrote a song in probably 1985, 1986, somewhere in there. Put it on a tape. Y'all don't know what that is. Put it on a tape. It said, we need to sing until old Satan's walls come down. We need to shout and watch old Satan's walls come down. We don't have to live defeated. We have Christ and he's our leader. So just shout and watch old Satan's walls come down. He was riding in the back seat of my car. And I turned around and I started singing that to him. The funniest look came on his face. I mean, that's 20, almost 30, 30 years ago, 34, 35 years ago. I started singing. Jericho had never seen that many people on the wall. Mothers, fathers, children too were marching right along. Inside the walls, nobody understood the reason why. But the people clapped and danced and sang the victory cry. And he turned around and looked at me and said, How in the world do you remember that old song? It's not that I just remember the song. It's that it's a lesson I learned when I was a boy. That sometimes you got to shout when you don't have evidence. Sometimes you got to walk when you don't have an answer. And the only thing you know to do is just keep on going. You know why I'm here tonight? Because I don't have a choice. It's either keep going or quit. That's it. You can either keep going or you can throw in the towel and quit. Johnny James used to preach a sermon. I've probably heard him preach it a hundred times. He would preach, almost saved is always lost. Anybody ever heard it? Almost saved is always lost. And I want to tell you that almost staying is always leaving. You can't almost stay in the church. If almost worked, Agrippa would have been saved. But he told the apostle, he said, almost thou persuadest me. Do you know how many people are going to stand before the Lord on judgment day? That were that close to victory. They almost had it won. They almost had it defeated. They almost beat that thing. But they walked away just before. Somebody shout almost. So. A few weeks ago when we were in Deuteronomy chapter 7. I began to read through this chapter. And I like to digest it a little bit at, at a time. And Sometimes I'll turn it on at night and listen to the chapter over and over and drive down the road and listen to the chapter over and over. And I kind of got stuck at the first part of this where it opens up and I read to you tonight that when the Lord thy God shall bring you into the land, whether thou goest to possess it, that he's going to cast out these seven nations that are bigger than you and greater than you. And I kept going back and reading that over and over and listening to it. Now around here, I don't have any Jebusites, I don't have any Hivites, I don't have any Perizzites, Canaanites, Kyrgyzites, Amorites, or Hittites. But I do have real fights. And I do have long nights. 
Are you hearing me? And I do have seasons that I wonder what in the world I'm going to do. I tell you, the only thing you can do is just keep trusting God. And I just kept on reading. I kept on reading. Man, I'd go back and forth. And he would say this over and over in my mind. I'd listen to it and I'd hit rewind. I'd open up my Bible and I'd read through it. I'm going to give you, when you go into the land that I promised your fathers you're going to have, when you go into that land, when you move in, I'm going to deliver these nations into your hands. And I got to where I could just about quote them right in order, every one of them. I could just about quote it right down the line. I was thanking God for it. Lord, whatever my Hittites are, whatever my Girgashites are, whatever they are, whatever you've got to move I want to thank you for it and I want to thank you that even though they're bigger than me even though they're mightier than I am you've got this and I kept on reading down through this chapter and it was telling me about the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all that I was going to destroy why because I laid claim on the promise of God that the prophet Jeremiah spoke because I have been grafted in and the same God that promised to Abraham the land I am a child of Abraham I'm a child of Abraham I've been grafted into this vine. I want to tell you every promise in this book is mine. Whenever I'm reading like this, I want to make the word personal. When I read like this, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest, I like to say whenever the Lord my God shall bring me into the land that I'm going to. I like to read it that way. I like to pray it that way. I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm not staying here. I'm going somewhere. God's taking me somewhere. I may feel like I'm standing still, but I'm going somewhere. It may be a while since you felt to move. It may be a while since you felt a break. But you're not standing still. You've got a promise to possess. Boy, I got to reading that. Seven nations. Seven nations that are mightier than you are. Seven nations that are greater than you. And I started thinking about the things that have come against this church through the years. And I began to pray about the spirits that have come against this church. I began to pray against the powers that have tried to attack this church. Standing on the wall, I began to look off in the distance at things that I felt like might try to come against this church. And I began to call them off one at a time and pray against them and pray against them, the power of God. All of these things. And then I went on down through the chapter. And I got to reading and I picked up at verse number 22. And all of a sudden I put my parking brake on for a second. Because the opening of this chapter says you're going to move into the land of promise and I'm going to deliver seven nations that are bigger and greater and bigger than you. I'm going to get them in your hands. I'm going to deliver them to you. And then in verse 22, he said the nations that I'm going to deliver to you, I can't do it all at once. How many nations? Oh, seven nations. Seven times. Seven days. Are you picking up on the theme? God said seven was enough. Seven nations was enough. But you can't have all seven nations at once. And I've never seen this in this chapter in my life. What chapter is this? Deuteronomy what? Oh, see, y'all are getting it now. 
I've never seen this in my life in this chapter. He said, I'm going to deliver them to you little by little. And here's the reason why. If I give you all seven of them at once, what you don't know is I'm using your enemy to fight back beasts. I said, what? I've never seen that before. I don't know how many times I've been through Deuteronomy. And he said, I am going to put out the nations before you little by little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. Think about this, church. Let this sink in real deep right here. God said, I'm going to use the nations bigger than you and greater than you to fight back enemies that you can't handle on your own. And if I were to give you all seven of those nations at one time, the beast of the field would increase upon you. So don't be fighting me and asking me why you can't have all your answer at once. Because I've got some things working in the process of your life. I'm going to give you the victory over this, but you've got to be patient. Mm. I'm preaching better than you're helping me right now. I said, you got to be patient. And you've got to know in verse number one that if God said he's going to deliver it into your hands, that it's going to happen. See, somebody's about to get what I'm preaching right now. God, when are you going to do it? What we don't see is the plan that's working behind the plan. The word is working. I'm going to give them to you. But out here, I've got some Jebusites that over here on the southeast corner of your promise, if I don't let them stay there, there's something that will devour you. And instead of you getting wore out, I'm going to let the Jebusite fight a battle for you that you're never going to have to lift your sword and fight. Maybe you don't hear what I'm telling you right now. God said, I'm about to let your enemy fight for you. I'm about I'm about to let what I'm going to give you victory over take victory over other things that you'll never fight. Oh! You're not going to fight the beast. I'm not going to fight the beast. I'm just going to leave your enemy in place. I'm going to go ahead and speak a little faith in this house. Don't leave me. I'm about done. The other day I said, Lord, how long are we going to have to keep believing until our miracle comes? We've been so close. I was standing right over here. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you keep praying for breakthrough, acting like the breakthrough is your promised land. He said, you need to understand that when I give you the miracle that I'm going to give to this church. It is not your promised land. It is your starting place. Church family, I believe with all my heart that not many years hence from right now, this church will be given a million dollars a year to missions. Come on now. 
But we'll never give a million until we give the first 100,000. See, I, I think maybe you're missing what I'm saying to you right now. God is not going to increase us for us to be increased. Was that, was that plain enough? Oh, God, give it. Lord, please give it. God, we want, we want, we want, we want. What do you want it for? Do you want it so you can say you got it? Or do you want it so that you can be a kingdom provider? Bishop, I'm not sure this is going where it's supposed to go right now. Understand, Pastor, when I tell you some of you have had the faith to pray great big prayers, but your motive for why you're praying it really matters to God. You know what I believe? I believe that when we get to the place that a $10 bill doesn't matter in the kingdom, a $100 bill won't matter in the kingdom. And when a $100 bill don't matter in the kingdom, a $5,000 check won't matter in the kingdom. Pastor, why'd you bring up money? We were shouting with you because that's where we're at. It owns us. We don't want to admit it, but we're owned by cattle. It's got us around the throat. Every decision that we make, we make out of fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Is my nest egg still there? Uh oh. Uh, I'll see you Wednesday night. I was up in Canada this week, this past week. I sat down with an elder preacher. He was a friend of my father-in-law's. He started talking to me about a church. He said, I'll be with you on Sunday morning in Amherst. But he said, I'm going Sunday afternoon to preach at a church that my wife was raised in. He said, but we couldn't keep anybody up here to pastor the church so the church has been closed down and he said I'm going back over there Sunday because we're opening the church again he said I'm going over there to preach and we're going to celebrate because somebody's coming in and taking the church I told you a few weeks ago about being out in California driving around in a valley area and the pastor that was pastoring right there 30 minutes from where we were told me he said, in this area right here, there's 600,000 people and not one apostolic church. I'm not, I'm not talking about the Philippines here, folks. I'm talking about North America. And the Lord started dealing with me. He said, why are you asking? Do you want me to set you free for you to be conduit? Or do you want me to set you free to be a dam? You want to be a dead sea where I bless you and no life can come out of you because you're so dead you hold everything you got? That's what I said too. He asked me, he said, what are you living for? What are you, what are you asking me for? He said, so let's just say I send somebody and pay off the rest of the church debt, then what? Boy, I didn't see this shift of gears coming right here. It got quiet. 
I'm going to tell you all a little secret you may not know. The resources to eliminate the debt of this church is already here. But God wants to know why we're asking. So I started dreaming big. And I said, God, I'll tell you why I want to know. Because I'm not satisfied to just keep the air condition on at 630 West 53rd Street. I said, the reason that I want to know is because I want to be able to take pastors out of this church and say to them, son, for the next five years, we're going to pay your salary. Go to that city and win people to God. I ain't got nobody wants anything of that. I want to be able to get young people in this church right here that come to my office crying, Brother Kevin, and say, Pastor God's called me to the mission field in Bangladesh. And I want to say to them, we're going to set up an account this week. You go to Bangladesh, get your papers in order, and for the next five years, you go have revival. I'm going to come preach for you every year, and this church is going to pray for you. We're going to back you. We're going to believe God for it. Man, I feel an angel standing here right now. I said, okay, God, I want to go ahead and ask you then. We've been worried about what we're going to do for a daycare. I said, so let me just tell you what we're going to do, the whole thing. I want to go ahead and thank you right now that you're going to give us a facility that we can have our daycare and full-blown Christian school from day one out of the gate, and you're going to help us take care of it, period. i got to be really, really careful what I say right now because I don't want to let a cat out of the bag. But I started praying this this week for this meeting because I felt like God wanted to do something big. We pulled into town, and a realtor friend of mine called me. And he said, bro, i got to be careful. I can't say a whole lot. He said, but there is a church in town that's thinking about maybe closing their doors. And he said, I didn't know how much square space you needed to have your daycare ministry. He said, but are you all right if I talk to their board when I go into a meeting and tell them I know of a church that needs some square, space, some square footage? Let me ask y'all a question. What are you going to do when God hands us the keys to a building? <laughs> I don't know if they're ready for this or not. I walked into the barber shop some time ago, and this woman that cut my hair, she's actually quit. She's not there anymore. She retired. I walked in, and she said, Pastor Luke, I want to ask you about something. She said, I heard you preach a sermon some time ago, and she said, I want to know if it's happened yet. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? She said, are you really going to get those apartments? 
I looked at her funny. I said, what are you talking about? She said, because you said it while you were preaching. You said God was going to give you the whole block. I said, sure. I'll be happy to take a place for drug addicts. All you perfect people don't want to do, you don't want nothing to do with that. But if God cleaned you up and set you free and turned your life around, you know what it's like to sit down with a drug addict and say, I know where you've been. Come on, brother. How's God going to do that? He's going to do a one hot dog at a time, bro. He's going to do a one hamburger at a time. He's going to do a one chicken noodle dinner at a time. How's he going to do it? Little by little. Little by little. Little by little. Brother Kevin, some of these folks are going to be mad when all these tattooed bikers start coming in here and taking their seat. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't get it, Pastor. Well, we're going to need somebody to pastor those churches. It might as well be a drug addict. Might as well be a biker. Pastor, that's too big. There's no way we can do it. You're right. We're going to do it little. Little by little, little by little, singing about this the other day, and there's a certain building I'm praying about that I want God to really give us. I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like we missed a boat some time ago. I feel like God had his hand on a, on a building for us. And something was missed. I don't know what it was, but I don't feel like we missed God. But I've been praying about a particular building. And then I started questioning God. I said, Lord, how are we going to pay for all that? How's all that going to happen? What about the upkeep? But I tell you what. Those seven nations that were in the land of Canaan when the children of Israel went in to possess bishops, something we don't think about very often is that the promise was they would possess a land that flows with milk and honey. And they would live in houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant. But I got to remind you something. Somebody built the house. And somebody planted the vineyard. And the Lord said, while you've been patient, 
I've had other people planting in the vineyard that I'm going to give you. I'm claiming that promise, Brother Diaz. I'm probably stepping way far out here. I stepped up to, the, to a judge this week in our community. I stepped up to the judge and I said, hey, I want to tell you something. It was like we were, we were standing at a golf course for a charity tournament. and It was not even the right moment. I just leaned over to him. I said, hey, judge, I want to tell you something. We got great things going on at our church right now. He said, oh, good, man. That's great. I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you. God's putting things in order right now for us to be able to help the court system. He looked at me funny. He said, like what? I said, like troubled people that come through your court and you don't know where to send them. Can I let y'all in on a secret? I don't have one Hawking program in place right now. You know what we need? Somebody with a little bit of faith that can believe little by little. I believe God is going to use this church to turn around the drug epidemic in Madison County. I believe God's going to do it through us. Little by little by little by little by little. And you know how God's going to do it in the church? He's been doing it little by little by little by little. But I want you to look around right now. There's more than a little bit that believes what I'm preaching. I'm going to declare it in the name of Jesus. That this church has already been impregnated with the word. That we are going to be an epicenter of revival, of deliverance, of healing, of miracles, of signs and wonders. And I'm saying to the Holy Ghost right now, the word has been put into us and we're ready to push. This week, Father, I'm asking you to release the glory of God in this church. Man, I wish y'all could see what I'm seeing right now. I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost tonight, this church does not need impartation. We need activation. The word has been imparted to us. Now it's time for this church to put the load on your shoulder and say alright I'll be the first one Lord and if anybody's got anything to say about it when I bring them into church next weekend that's my baby oh I know how it works did you see that girl that came in here did you see that, did you see that? she would have the audacity to look like that in church Thank God we don't have a snapshot of you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 
My God, y'all, I'm telling you, I feel it right here. I'm not just tired. I feel it. I feel it right here. I feel something trying to break up in here. Little by little by little by little until finally you've got all seven nations. And this is what I've come to preach to you about the dimension this church is moving into this week. I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about right now. I've been praying this week asking God what the deal is. And the Lord began to remind me. The last, uh, not, not the last revival Brother Shepherd was here, but two revivals ago. It went seven weeks, Bishop. Say it, Sister Martha. Seven weeks, sevenfold. Deuteronomy 7, seven nations. Oh, God. And I felt like I heard the Holy Ghost say to me this week that he's getting ready to break the back of the seventh spirit. The seventh stronghold. In other words... We're getting ready to leave where we've been because the Holy Ghost is saying it's enough. Oh, God. Man, I'm having a hard time standing up here right now. And I see this church stepping out of one dimension by faith into another of unfamiliarity and the Holy Ghost saying I've now given you all seven of those it's time now for you to enter in to another dimension do you know why your pastor is standing here preaching this tonight because God has sent me with a word of activation for this church it is time for us to move into our destiny it is time for us to move into revival it's time Come on. It's time. Pastor, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't feel it tonight. I'm not, I'm not sure what you're feeling. You step on out in the water a little bit. You're going to feel it. Come on, FPC. The Holy Ghost is moving some of you to make decisions right now. The Holy Ghost got some of you prioritizing right now. It's about time to turn your job into a mission field. It's about time to turn your schools into mission fields. And let God lay it out little by little by little by little. 